0: Hello and welcome back to the Euro Trips Football Podcast. We're back again talking all things domestic football in the Premier League. I'm your host Andy and I'm, I'm, I'm as ever, first of all, joined by Ryan. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thank you.
2: Good stuff. And then, also here with Naeem, how are you? Yeah, doing very well, man. Just recovering from Kareem and, yeah, just getting ready to go to America with you guys next week. So, yeah, not much in between, but, yeah, I'm all good, man. Can't be, can't complain.
0: Yeah, of course we are gonna America in right now. I mean podcasts will be out Thursday, if not Friday the very latest. So by then it'll be less than a week till we are in America. So i we're hoping to be some content master there, whether it's YouTube, whether it's TikTok or even podcasts. So should be, you know, some good content coming away on all of our socials in the next few weeks, uh, whether it's sport related or not sport related. So we are all things uh Premier League. Um so of course the Games happened this weekend, or last weekend, I should say, sorry, took place. Um, the main sort of talking points, and main sort of games that were really of big focus were you know, Mandy come back from 2-0 down to beat Forest 3-2. I think they were down two goals within the first, um, I believe, four, five, six minutes. Uh, the results could Arsenal drawing 2-2 was Fulham at home. And Liverpool's late comeback against Newcastle at St James's Park. Um, so, first of all, boys, I want to start with... Luton Town. Now, only one of us. That was Ryan. Had him in the bottom three. Now I won two games in for them, three for everyone else. But they've not scored. They've only really scored one goal so far. That was from a penalty, I believe. They look pretty bad against Luton. They looked pretty bad against Brighton. Does that, and also know no, Ryan, you said they go down. But does do you think that it would be a case? Do you think this whole start they made is it down to, you know, is it down to a case of them just being new to, new to the Premier League, just getting adjusted? At all is this first two games any sort of worry for you going into um the rest of the season?
1: Um no, they just they, they don't have the quality. It's as simple as that. You know um that's why I said they would go down because when you look at their squad they don't really have any outstanding players and they don't really spent heavily in the transfer window, especially when you compare to the rest of the Premier League clubs, I mean, them and Sheffield United, I think are going to struggle really, really badly. And I don't expect much from them. You know, obviously there's a, you know, a thing about them because of the stadium and whatnot. But yeah, I don't think that'll make too much of a difference. I think teams will still go there and still get a result because defensively they look really, really poor.
0: I mean, it's just... Completely bear my mind. They've actually they signed Tim Krull, uh this this summer, which I, I never <laughs> knew even happened. But um, yeah. yeah, I think for me personally, I think that whilst they they've looked pretty bad, and albeit one was against Chelsea, uh, both been away from home as well. Bear in mind as well, you know, against Brighton and you know who started off season wonderfully, as well as Chelsea who who looked good in that game. But I think I'm sort of torn you know a lot because on the one side, I do believe, I do agree with what you're saying around the fact that the quality isn't there. But I do think as well that, you know, home advantage is so crucial in in, in football, not, not just the Premier League. And I think that that may be where they see results. You know, there's been plenty of teams that start off really well. And, you know, Newcastle won their first game five one and lost back-to-back games. So I don't think we should completely write them off. But I think at the same time, you know, it is something they have they have to dress quickly because they can't, you know, lose, say, six of their first seven and be like seven points behind the team in 17th come mid October because that could be a really hard mountain to climb. Uh, but what are your thoughts on them on that on them back there for their first two performances?
2: Yeah, so it's, obviously, with the early predictions that we said, you know, there's always a team that like, surprises people. But like what Ryan's mentioned, if you look, if you go through their squad, there's not got much quality there. And the way certain teams in the Premier League are strengthened um, and started off well, I think, yeah, they will struggle. Uh, the stadium, that might. They might like pick up, pick up a shot result here and there, but yeah, like you said, they've only scored one goal from open um, from a penalty, and they haven't scored any from open play. So yeah, if if that's what's if that's the trend going in three games, in I can yeah probably see that they'll probably go straight down. So I think I think at the moment, two of the teams in the bottom three um, will probably go down. But obviously, we'll we'll touch on one of the other teams later on. But yeah, it's not looking good at the moment. Um, and yeah, we just have to wait and see. I, I imagine.
0: Before we carry on, um, I had the chance to speak to Luton Town fan Kay Byrne ahead of their first ever Premier League game at home. So we are here for this part of the podcast to speak to Luton Town fan Catherine Byrne. How are you?
3: Hi, Andy. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on.
0: <laughs> no problem at all. It's great to have you know, new guests at the podcast and different teams' perspectives, and that's why you're here today. Of course, the reason is because it is Luton Town's first ever home game in a Premier League. But before we go into all of that, in terms of your Luton Town fandom, I mean, what's the story behind that? Is it just down to where you live or is there family reasons or what's the, what's the whole story behind becoming a Luton Town fan?
3: Uh, so, uh, basically, my granddad is a Luton fan. His granddad was a Luton fan. Um, I actually live in the north, so we live in Lancashire, so nowhere near Luton. Um, but my granddad basically grew up round the corner from the ground. His granddad was a groundsman at the club. Um, and then obviously when I was born I was the first grandchild so I got brainwashed <laughs> um, and I was um, when I was a kid I remember I still got it now I've got a little teddy bear that says I love gluten town on it and I've had that ever since I was born so it's kind of been like he was the reason that I've kind of fell in love with the sport and it's just kind of developed itself since then
0: and then since you become a fan of the team is there sort of maybe a favourite player that springs to mind since you became a fan
3: I mean, it's a tough one. So from like sort of before my day, really, you've got your Steen, Ricky Hill, obviously a big Mick himself, uh, but they're all a little bit before my time, really. Uh, but struggling to pick, I've kind of, across the years, had different ones. I mean, I loved Harry Koenig. I was really sad when he went to Bristol. Uh, but Reese Burke is brilliant. I've um, really come to love him. I've I worked at Bolton when he joined at Bolton. So I've kind of followed him closely since then. And when we signed him, I was like, oh, brilliant. He's going to get his... This is where he's meant to be. And he's just come on, strength after strength from Sen. But then your obvious choice is obviously going to be Pelé. He, the man's a legend in and himself. itself. He's been with us for, I think it's 10 years now. Coming up to 11. And he's just never given up. He could have probably gone elsewhere, but he's never wanted to. And he's like, obviously been on that journey with us from the conference. And now he's finally getting... To be in the Premier League,
0: and there may be like a it's, it's maybe an obvious one considering what happened last season. But is there maybe a favourite memory of yours uh since becoming a fan?
3: Uh it's a tough one. There's a few different ones that are good. Obviously, up there is definitely being at Wembley. That um for the playoff final, that was unbelievable. At first, we didn't even we had such a struggle getting tickets. Obviously, not being a season ticket holder, not living local. And we literally must have got the last ticket. Someone must have had them in the basket and they've gone back out and we grabbed them as soon as we could. And we ended up on right on the very front. And it just worked out so great because when, obviously, the celebrations happened, the players literally were in front of us, jumping over, coming to their families. Oh, it was brilliant. But I do have another one, which is um, last year. So a bit background. My granddaddy was speaking about before. He's got vascular dementia, sadly. And he's not able to go to the games anymore. Uh, and I wrote to the club, and Mick Alfred has always been his hero, like they met when they were younger, but he idolises him, and I wrote to the club on and off, chance, so, this is what's happened, I'm just wondering if I can bring him to the to a game, and you have five minutes to chat to him, and he replied to me, and sent me um, his phone number, and we've been in contact over WhatsApp, and he's like, come down to the game, I'll meet up with you and your granddad before, and it was such a struggle to get there, and like, for him to, to see that, like, my granddad meeting his hero, and he, he's like he, his dementia had gone. He was like, I know, oh, my God, this is Mick Alfred. like, and it, to see that was just really nice, and it was a really nice memory that I've got, and it was really nice for Mick to go out of his way to to do that for my granddad. so that's definitely up there. But Wembley and that are sort of very close, but I think Mick just pips it a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can imagine. I mean, that's an amazing story. I mean... I mean, more so with modern players, there's definitely a thing with footballers that, you know, you always think they'll never give you time of day. You know, you you can DM them on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, or X is called now, and you can do all that, but it's very rare you'll get a response from anyone. And, you know, there's definitely a modern day trend of people thinking players don't care. When you see stories like that, it just shows that they do care and they do have a heart. And I think it shows that they're not just robots we're wanting to watch on the pitch. They're about more than that. And I think it's a really good story to see, even though he is an older player, I think it was really, that's really nice to hear that a player would still would still do that. Um, but, of course, the main talking point of this part of the episode is going to be all about Luton Towns, of course, a delayed first home game. Uh, the one against Bernie was postponed, so it is going to be your first home game now. We are recording on Thursday, so probably out on the same day, if not very early Friday morning. And, of course, Friday night is when you play your first home game against West Ham. Um, so, you know, as a fan yourself, who you've only really experienced the lows in terms of lower league football, just how does it feel to be finally seeing your team playing at home at Kenilworth Road at a Premier League match?
3: I mean, to be there would just be amazing. I, I am so jealous of everyone that's going to be in there tomorrow. Like, it's it's surreal. If you'd have said to me, even five years ago, oh, you're going to be in the Prem. You're going to be having Haaland come to the and overall I'd have been like nah you're joking that it just didn't seem even though we've pushed and always dreamed of it it just I still can't believe that it's really happening and I just think based off uh, obviously we've played this week in the Carabao and we've won at home and we've not had the greatest couple of first games obviously Brighton and then sadly at Chelsea we have had our chances and we have been pushing but I do feel like being at home is really going to get where we need to be and to get a few home games on the bounce, especially coming off a win midweek. I know it's the cup game, but it might give us a little bit of that boost to be like, right, we're at home, this is our fortress. Let's let's get everything we can at home and then it'll go from there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's for that reason alone. While we I did have Luton finishing seventeenth in our predictors episode, because I just think that well, yes, we, we all know the quality's not there in terms of other teams. You all know the players, you know, there is a reason why your record transfer if he's only four million, but at the same time. Home form made such a difference, and so far, you've only played Brighton away and Chelsea away. And Brighton, I believe, still in the top four, if not just outside it. And Chelsea are they spent uh, millions and billions of pounds. So, I don't think you can be too disheartened by losing two games to those two teams. And I think that I basically referred this all to Huddersfield and Wigan. I mean, Huddersfield in 2017, it was, I think it was, and then Wigan back in 05, where home form is so crucial. I think that. No Premier League player yet has been to Kenilworth Road in a Premier League match. I think if you, if your home fans get behind you, and the noise you make, like we saw with those two teams I have just mentioned, that can really get you wins. And I think that's going to be really key, crucial in your bid to stay. I think your home form has to be your biggest target. And I think that, yeah, you have to start picking up wins fairly soon. But I do think that you know your first home game of the year. I think there's potential you could beat West Ham, uh, even though they you know they've had a great start year themselves. I do think there's a magic in there and I think that you guys could easily get that win uh, tomorrow night
3: Yeah I hope so like you say being at home has got that different vibe to it and I think the support that we took to Chelsea if we can maximise that at home like we do every game at home I do think we've got a really good chance but that is where we're going to have to start picking up the points I wasn't as disappointed as a lot of people were against Brighton I know we fell to pieces towards the end but last year if you look at them they were up the top Top five, I believe? Top six? Um, I
1: think was, Then obviously you've yeah, got six, Chelsea.
3: Yeah. yeah. Then you've got Chelsea with their unlimited pockets of money. It was always going to be a tough couple of games, but I think now we're starting to get the home games in there. I think this is where we need to start picking up the pace and picking up the points, and hopefully we survive.
0: <laughs> yeah, and of course, one of the reasons why the first game against Burnley at home was postponed, was, I believe is due to the renovation of the stadium to make it the minimum requirement to be a permanent ground I believe that was why um do you think that will at all change things in terms of the home atmosphere that little extra or do you think it will actually make it even more of a fierce atmosphere at uh, Kenilworth Road
3: um to be honest with you I think it's going to be it, it's going to be more because before just to put it into context where they've renovated used to be like the boxes area So there was very limited capacity in there anyway, but they've now opened that up, so there is, don't quote me, I feel like there's a few hundred seats in there now, so that's going to even be more more people, and it's going to be coming from every side now, not just three, because depending on which games we're playing, like who's coming, Oak Road is split as well, so there are season ticket holders in Oak Road, so now we're coming from four angles rather than just a little bit on the third, so hopefully I think that's going to improve it massively, and I think like I've seen some of the new signage and the new floodlights and it's looking really good. It's not, I don't think it's going to lose its um, lose its atmosphere. I think it's just going to build to it because there's extra, a few more people can get in there now and just get behind them.
0: Now, this necklace should maybe cut short, I don't know, but do you play FIFA at all, by any chance?
3: occasionally my boyfriend is more of the FIFA man in our house but I do occasionally give it a try (laughs) so will
0: you be you know trying out this year a new FIFA with the fact they'll have Kenilworth Road as as an official stadium on it do you think that would be something you'll you'll give a go even if just for oh definitely
3: yeah gotta do it I definitely think so I have done it in the past before my boyfriend will laugh at me because I'll be like right I'm having Luton versus and we'll put them against Chelsea and stuff and now it's really happening at kind of work road. So I'm like, oh, you've got to do this. I told you, foresaw the future, and he didn't believe us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then finally, in terms of, I you know you're you're sort of of my sort of age, my area now. In terms of, obviously, you haven't had anyone any of the big teams come to Luton yet for home Premier games. Is there, maybe one team you're looking forward to the most, seeing playing your home team is it? You know, is it Manu or Chelsea, Liverpool, or is it City or? Is there a team maybe more than any other team in the Premier League you are looking forward to seeing uh, as well as maybe a player as well, you're looking forward to coming to um coming to the ground to play? Um
3: I do, it's just good to see any of them come really. It's just like an experience in itself. But I think the idea of Haaland coming to Kenilworth Road, he's gonna have no idea what he's walking into. <laughs> I just think that in itself is 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 hilarious. But I think we've we've had like the likes of um, Liverpool come to us before in the FA Cup years ago and things like that. But I feel like as a game itself, just to host all those teams and just show them like we can compete with that level and we, we can keep up with them. Similar to like Bournemouth, they're, they're still up there and they've been doing it for a little while. So I think it's going to be a culture shock. So like the United's the cities, Liverpool's Arsenals, Tottenham's. But um yeah, I I th- I think Ireland's coming is going to be hilarious. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that should be an amazing experience. You mentioned that FA Cup game with Liverpool. I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan myself. You may have seen that from my Facebook profile picture. But of course, I remember that was actually on my birthday, that game at five three. Um was it 2006? it was thousand, no, it was early two thousand and six, wasn't it? The year he won the FA Cup. Yeah. I remember that game, I remember the you know, from going was it one nil down to was it two nil down or two one down and one nil down, and then you know the goal from Alonso, which you know from the from the halfway line and all that. I remember just being, but I think I was ten at the time, whatever it was in year six. And I remember you know we went we went to watch a film. I believe it was King Kong. We saw in the cinema. I remember rushing home to watch that game, and I remember being on my birthday as well. Just almost having my birthday ruined, but thankfully you know it it wasn't ruined too much in the end. <laughs>
3: We let you have that one that time.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure the players down there were thinking, you know, or that Andy Davis up there, you know, he, um, he, really, <laughs> wants, he really wants us to lose this game. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that has been the conclusion of this part of the episode, which is our Luton Town preview. So, first of all, thank you, Catherine, for coming on.
3: Oh, well, thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure.
0: No problem at all. And uh, we look forward to having you on again some point to the rest of the season. But let's get back to the rest of the episode. And that was my chat with Kay. So thank you, Kay, for first of all coming on the show. Um, so before we do carry on, carry on with the rest of the figures, I want to really talk about the PFA Awards. Now, these were done way later than ever before. I mean, they're normally done before the season even ends, but it's just done, you know, months after the season end. Now, the the player of the year, young player of the year, are really no surprises. They're not really worth talking about. Harlem won player of the year, Saka one young player of the year. The Harlem one was pretty much dead certain, I I think he still should win the Ballon d'Or. And then Saka Young player of the year, that's really hard to disagree. I don't think anyone can really um, disagree with that. But I want to get your thoughts on the team overall they picked for the um, PFA team of the year. So in goal was Aaron Ramsdale of Arsenal, back fourth, Kieran Trippier of Newcastle, City's pairing of Ruben Diaz and John Stones. Uh, they've got Wilsley, Lieber left back, but I don't think they really care about positions in this because you'll we'll see that later on, why uh, midfield three, Rodri, De Bruyne and Odegaard, I believe that was my my uh, midfield three, and then the front three were Saka on the right, Kane on the left, and then um, Erling Haaland up front. Um, thoughts on the team, boys? Anyone there that you maybe would have included, or maybe someone there you feel shouldn't be in there, or do you think it's pretty much fair enough?
2: I think, yeah, I think it's pretty fair enough. Like, if you go through all those players, see the Man City won, they won, they won the league in the end, so... Obviously, a few of them are going to be in there, but yeah, the other players. Trippier, he, yeah, I'd probably say over the course of the season, he probably was the best right back. Obviously, Ben White um, was up there as well. Like he had a he had a great season up there. Um, Ramsdale, yeah, we'll probably touch on him later on, but yeah, I, f- I feel he had a good season last uh, year, but um, yeah, but um, yeah, I think that team that that reflects the best best eleven last last season. So yeah, I think they've got it right. To be fair.
0: And Ryan, your thoughts on the on, on the selections?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember was it um Gareth Crooks or whatever name Crooks or whatever his name is oh, Crooks,
0: when yeah.
1: He used to be on a match of the day and he, his formations were like a one, <laughs> four, six, something you know, and they were all over the gaff. I mean there's a bit of considering you've got a striker on the left and a centre back on the left as well. But even so I don't think anyone can argue with any of those picks, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's really fair in every position, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I believe they vote for these wars. I believe as even as far back as February, I believe. I believe it's something crazy like that where, um, you know, there's a reason why a few years ago Pogba and Coutinho got on Teams of the Year um sometimes you see a player who have a really good first six months will get the team of the year because they're doing it in february And i can see why Ramster got in for that reason but i think if he did it on april and May alone the crucial time of the year i wouldn't have put him in but i can see why he's in because he was good for most of the year um i think i think i, I think my team had allison ahead of him uh but i don't think that took into account the fact they do vote for this back in february i think back then he was playing as the best keeper in the league at that point um but it's a nice segue action to our next talking, which is Arsenal's drop points at home to Fulham. Of course, you two are both Arsenal fans. I imagine you watched the game. Uh, I don't think I it was, didn't. was it on TV or was it at three o'clock? I don't know where, mm, but either way, that's yeah. you probably would watch it. Either way, um, for a, maybe not not to so legal channel, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just d- disappointing. Obviously, result for you guys. For you, I mean, thoughts overall on the performance and, and the drop points.
2: It wasn't, wasn't the greatest of performances. Um, you know, going 1-0 down again, that's the third time in the space of a couple of months that we've gone 1-0 down at home. Uh, uh, just like that. Obviously, Saka, it was a terrible... I don't know what he was doing, but, you know, obviously, Pereira scored in the end. Ramsdale, obviously, his positioning was a bit terrible. I feel we could have done better there. Um, you know, he, he's a good goalkeeper, but I think... Just drop him for a few games, you know. Let him, let him, let him sit on the bench for a few games, and then go from there. But yeah, second half we we played well. So he made the substitutes. Obviously, took off Kai Havertz and um Trossard, brought on enketia and Fabio Vieira. Like Fabio Vieira, he's a player I've been really critical of since we bought him last season. Like he's quite lightweight. Um, you know, he does show glimpses of what he can do, but he hasn't had the greatest start. But yeah, I thought. He was probably one of the best players in the second half because um, obviously he won the penalty. Then he got assist assist for the Enkete's um, uh, goal, which he took took quite well. Um, got another player that I'm critical of, but obviously near the end he could have literally won the game. Well, Terrari could have won at the end um, down at one end, and then we could have won it with him. That would have been probably one probably one of his best performances um, coming off the bench, but. Yeah, the performances have been a bit um strange this season. Um, like like we're getting the we're getting the results, which is good, and you know, then we're just grinding them out. That's what you got to do as a good team. But I don't know. I don't think I think we might come unstuck at one point, but because obviously he's he's trying out a new system at the moment. Um, he be playing party at right back. Obviously, he played Kivio at left back. I thought he would have slotted Zinchenko in there because um we played some of our best football when Zinchenko was playing left back and he was um slotting into midfield, but. I guess when we've got Champions League coming up, he wants to just try try this um, new formation out and then you know, if it don't work then he can revert back to the old the old formation that we um well the old selection that we had last season. Because, Obviously we've got Jesus back now. Um obviously it's, it's it's a shame about Timber because I think he could have literally cemented that either right back or left back positioning well and then he could have put Ben White White back there. But yeah, we've got May United on the weekend. But um yeah, it's just it's just this Kai Havertz thing, man. I think he's gonna die on this hill. Like three games in, I know, I know we we're meant to give players time, but you know he was shit at Chelsea. So like, why, why did we feel they need to buy him? I thought, I think there could have been players out there that we could have got for cheaper that could have could have offered more, really. Because look at Trossard, we got him for thirty million, and look how great he, he's been since he's been there. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bit 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 um, baffling of his um, tactics and things, but I guess he's just trying out something different just to, to see if it works, really. But yeah, as long as we keep picking up points, I'm not going to complain too much. But yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see on Sunday. Obviously, all of us will be watching that game, so yeah, we can have a good close look to see um to see if it um, if we can get 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 another win out against them because obviously we beat them at home last season. So yeah, I didn't actually get to see the game because obviously I was at Creamfields, but. Yeah, I was just getting my sister to text me, like, the scores and whatnot. And then she told me it was 1-0 in the first minute. I was like, what? Am I seeing this right? Like, it's, yeah, it's just crazy, man. But, yeah, that's yeah, that's my thoughts on, on, on the game, to be fair. I only got to see the extended highlights from the match of the day, so I didn't actually get to see the full match. But I'm assuming Ryan must have seen the whole game, so he probably can comment a bit more.
1: Yeah, yeah. I watched it through a... Um, for a <laughs>
2: Totally legal stream.
1: (laughs) Uh, It was actually very frustrating because I had to listen to two commentators from the United States of America who knew absolutely nothing about the Premier League. But um, I think one thing I I did actually pick up on is it's probably the strongest bench I've ever seen as an Arsenal fan. Um, The depth there was really exciting to see for a change. But, yeah, the, the the formation didn't work at the weekend. The players looked a little bit lost. There was misplaced passes quite a lot, which we didn't see very much of last year. And I think that's due to players not knowing where the others should be or are anticipating where they should be. So it'll be interesting to see what he does at the weekend, to be fair against United, whether he reverts back to a back four of Sinchenko, Gabriel, Saliba and Ben White. Because I think it's quite harsh, you know, on Gabriel not starting. I understand why he's done it. I don't think there's any particular reason for it other than he's trying to get as many attacking players in the team as possible. But it's not working. The balance looked all over the place. And although we dominated the game and we should have won the game comfortably and we didn't, I'll I'll be very interested to see if Arteta keeps that same style or not. Like I say, it's a a huge loss to lose Timber because he looked so, so good um, in his first couple of games. And that would have been a massive blow, especially as Zinchenko's injury history is a little bit all over the place. And we've just had Kieran Tierney go to Sociedad on loan as well. So hopefully... Zinchenko can really stay fit for the majority of the season, along with Gabriel Jesus as well. But, I mean, Nketi has done well when he's when he's played. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, he has to be fair. Like, Sorry, yeah. Um, obviously, we're quite critical of him, you know, he's got the new contract, the 14 shirt, but all he can do is score the goals and he's more of like an in-the-box sort of striker, really, isn't he? Like, um, he? He offers something different to Jesus. Obviously, Jesus is a workhorse. He'll um, come, come in deep, but yeah, that's what we can do, really. Um, if he keep scoring, Jesus is going to find it hard to get back in the team. But it's good, like you said, like having a strong bench because then it, once once these players come on, they're going to want to like try and do their best so they can regain that place in the in the team, is not they? Well, that is it. And
1: although I'm not a fan of Arsenal fan TV, I think
2: <laughs> oh mate, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> well,
1: well, Robbie Law made a made a very interesting point to be fair, where he said if Eddie and name was, you know, if, if say if he was Brazilian and he, and he was just called Eddie, or you know, if he was Italian or French or something like this, that would would we look at him a little bit differently and and maybe give him a little bit more time and have a bit more patience with him. And I and I agreed actually with his point there because I do I do think that I think because he's a player that's come through our system and whatnot. He's, he's, he's had a little bit more criticism and I understand that in it, to an extent but he's he's got us crucial goals when when, when we've needed him the most and although he's not you know, a 20, goal a season striker that's going to take us to the next level there aren't many out there to be fair and this is why you need to spread the goals throughout the team and one thing I would say Trossard and Havertz in particular both looked really, really poor um, which was very surprising, especially for Trossard, because like, like you said, and I mean, like he's been fantastic since he came from Brighton. So I was quite surprised there. Havertz was really, really frustrating. He he was very <laughs> reminiscent of Ozil's last couple oh, yeah. of years, where he was just he was just standing still so often, and he wasn't he wasn't making runs. There was one one in particular where, where he had so much space behind him and he, he gets the ball into him and he passes it back. He doesn't turn and run. And I think that's one that every fan sort of picked up upon. And that was really disappointing. He, he's a player you can you can look at and he, he's got no confidence in himself at the moment. And he, you can tell he is a confidence player. So hopefully once he gets a few goals and really starts to put some good performances together, we we will see what he can potentially do, but I don't really know where he fits in with his team because if he reverts back to his system from last year, he doesn't get in the team, but maybe he's just been bought for squad depth. I don't know. It's it's one of them really, um, but I don't mind having that kind of quality in the squad at the end of the day. It's better than nothing, quite frankly. So, yeah, yeah. Um, onwards and, and just lastly as well for the for the first goal um I actually missed it because my um totally legal legal stream didn't didn't load quite quite as quickly so I did watch the <laughs> and um yeah I'm not too I uh, you know me me and Andy have a thing about Ramsdale anyway but <laughs> yeah I, I don't particularly think it, it was it was him at fault because actually one thing the commentator did say uh, the only right thing he said throughout the game was when Pereira went to shoot, it looked like he was going to actually put it towards Ramsdale's left. And I don't know if he'd done it on purpose or if it was more of a miskick from Pereira. Um, But I think that's what maybe confused him a little bit, but in the the day, it was a mistake um, from us defensively. So I don't shift the blame towards him too much, to be honest. And I didn't see much blame given to him by many of our fans and our fans are very reactionary. So, you know, um,
0: uh, no comment. <laughs> oh, I mean yeah. I mean see myself having again, like yourself, name I was also at the festival, so I, you know, had to resort to highlights for a lot of these games and you know, like yourself, I don't know whether you get the same issue as me, you know, trying to get trying to get your scores on the 4G at the festival is like trying to try and back a date with my jammer, it's just like pretty much impossible to to, to get. But but yeah, no, it's um with Ramsdale, I I do feel like some blame has to be put in because at the same time I do get that on the one side, you know Thomas Partey, his his back process has caused all this. But I think positioning of Ramsdale is very sus for me, and it's not been the first time we've seen this at Arsenal. Um, and i think looking at looking at the, the, I'm looking at goal right now as well as we speak. And I mean, I get the whole thing about you know maybe he thought he was going one way, but surely a keeper should be alert. From that angle, I don't think he should be affecting the guy to shoot from there, really. And I just think that to be that far on one side is a is a bit questionable. And I think we've seen a lot of times this season where he has, um, you know, has had question moments. I mean, the, albeit it's only the goal 5 but the community shield, there was a moment with, you know, with Aaron Ramster where, yeah, they had a pass to him in his own box and he almost gave away the goal with a terrible touch. And then there was a game, moment against Palace where, you know, he almost gave um I was gonna say Van Arnold but whoever was number three for Palace that day, I forget I was time Mitchell's number three, but there was a chance where I think it was dying end of the game, Frost came in or corner came in and he flapped it and um Mitchell should have really done better with that with the effort. And we've seen it this game as well. And I think that, you know, albeit they are still wins, don't get it wrong, but you've you barely scraped past um Palace, you know, got a penalty, albeit he did manage to scoop the game off with, with ten men, you know, Nottingham Forest game, yeah, you won two, one you two know that, but you almost you made that half yourself to the end. And I think the draw here as well. And with Manny coming off the weekend as well, that that's a huge game. And I think that you know, these are two teams that you're battling for top four, maybe even title, if they can um i if, if they can get the goals right man you. And um I, I think that this is a huge game. I think Ramsdale just can't afford to make a mistake in a big game. I and mean, I know in Liverpool last year he made one of the saves of the season. So you know he's you, got experience in those moments, I suppose, of of making big saves, a big save. But is a woe for me because he has made a lot of errors this season already. We're only what three or four games in, so I think woe for me. But few boys, obviously, we're going to try and all watch it together on a Sunday, which would be quite nice. Um, your thoughts on that game going into it, and how are you feeling about um about that really going into it with your current form and their current form?
1: Very confident. Um,
0: it's bold, okay. I like that. I like that confidence at its finest, manifesting
1: mm-hmm. it. Yeah, United—they're uh, all over the place. I mean, the fact that Forrest should have got something from that game had uh, Rashford not dived at the end and won a, you know, won a very soft penalty, then they would have dropped points there as well. And they've not looked convincing in their other games this season. Their midfield is all over the place. There's no balance there at all. Casemiro looks like an old man. Onana's made a few shaky mistakes as well. They don't look solid at the back. And apart from Rashford, no one else is going to score their goals. So I don't fear them at all. We normally do very well at the Emirates against the big teams as well. And especially if he if he reverts back to the to the formation that did us so well last year. I think it's a a com a comfortable win. Yeah, I don't fear United, but um, no, I mean, again, I wouldn't I wouldn't drop Ramsdale for that game again because uh, I think even against Crystal Palace, you mentioned there for me he, he he was really reassuring in that game. He 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 made you know not spectacular saves, but he was he was confident and calm and. You know, they picked one little thing right from the end of when we were under a lot of pressure for probably, you know, twenty odd minutes of the game. So I don't I don't agree with that one and I don't really know what other mistakes he's he's made. And again, the thing to call it a mistake against Fulham is maybe a little bit harsh, but I don't I can't think of anything he did against Forrest or really against Man City. You know, this, this is why people I call Andrew the the almost merchant because he likes to he, lo- he likes to look at the almost moments, not the actual moments that happen.
0: Um, That's you, Wait, I'll tell you what though, is there is is gonna Can point? It could be this game on weekend. Could be a game and We saw it actually towards the end of last year, I remember the Brighton game. He he will make a big error that will cost you guys something. I don't know whether you'll be involved in title race. Whether it be a top four, you're battling for, but he will cost you a big game sooner or later. I I can guarantee it, and then that will then cause Ryder to come in, and I reckon that'll be his place. You know, as the start to maybe locked in. So I think. Right, riot is waiting in the wings, and I, I think Ramsdale will, at some point within the next month, I reckon, make a huge mistake that will cost you a game. I think all
1: goalkeepers make mistakes, though, don't they? At the end like of the day, that don't.
0: many? I mean, I know Allison makes it now and again, but I think Allison's made as many mistakes in the last two years as Ramsdale's made just alone this year, let alone let alone last season. So uh, I think mm-hmm. he's it's like Luis. Luis like has a great shot stopper, but he is. He makes he made far and that's why Spurs ultimately haven't kept him on. He made far too many mistakes. And that's my worry with Ramsdale. That he can be a bit rash. A bit like Jordan Pickford. I think Pickford has the capabilities to have these amazing games. We see it with England and with Everton, especially toward the end of last year in, in the crucial games. And I just think that Ramsdale is struck me a little bit like that. He's had these games where he just almost has brain farts or just is completely rash with with his with his hands. So yeah, it's, it's a, I think that's a worry for you guys, but I think I think Ryder is a better goalkeeper and I think that he, if Ramsdale is make a big mistake, to have someone like Ryder come in and, and come in, if he is in bad form, Ramsdale, then I think you've got someone more than capable to fill in the job.
1: I think, yeah, one thing to take into note though as well that when, when you when you compare to someone like Alisson or, or Edison or you know some of the top goalkeepers in, in, in the world, I think context has to be looked at the fact that Ramsdale is 25, very inexperienced at the top level um, and is arguably only someone that's going to improve. You know, you, we're comparing him to elite level keepers who are in their prime in Allison and Edison and the fact that you know, he's he arguably had a better season than them both last year. You know, the only keeper I felt actually was on par with him last year was probably Nick Pope and yeah, I, I just don't, don't see the same criticism that other people give him. You know, I think last year he was absolutely fantastic and there was only a couple of moments where he was a little bit shaky. But then again, the whole team was shaky and and it's it's, it's funny that they happened as well when we lost Saliba, you know, which I, I think upset the entire rhythm of, the, of our back sort of four or five. So, yeah, until we, he goes for a real poor run of form and makes lots and lots of mistakes. I don't see the need to drop him. And at the end of the day, to have Raya on the bench, you know, it's it's not a bad option whatsoever. And the fact that we got him for what we got him for is extraordinary business. And I think he'll be someone we can look to play in the cup competitions and maybe the Champions League as well.
0: I'm going to put one fact to you here, Ryan, that when Alisson joined Liverpool. He was 25 years old and it was his Mm -hmm. first season at a top level. And we all know what he did, won the Champions League um, and really only made one mistake I can think of against Leicester early on. But he was outstanding, one of the best keepers of the whole season. I think Jules Davenshaw in year one is, is one of the best keepers in the world. So I think that I wouldn't put age entirely because I think if you're old enough, you're good enough. And he's had, you know, two years before that, uh, a very high, albeit down the bottom of the table, but they add much pressure in those situations as it is at the top. So he's got, you know, it's his fourth season Premier League. It's not his first season Premier League or second. So I think that I don't I'm think he most... can hardly blame on age because he's he's been a lot, he's been Premier League long enough now. Um and he's made I think there was worrying signs at the end of last season, I think going into this year he's making some mistakes again. And yeah, I just don't know whether he can sustain Keeping getting away with making mistakes when you just win games by one goal or you know dropping points and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, Al- I'm not saying he's better than Allison. At the good. end of the day, that, that's, that's good to know.
0: I, 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 I was hoping, we, <laughs> I was worrying a good, go down that route at one point, but no, yeah. No, yeah. It's,
1: other, it's other people comparing him to Allison, and, and and of course, I'd have Allison all day long over 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 Ramsdale, but it's the fact that. You know, obviously yourself and others are uh, continuously saying he keeps making mistakes, but he's he, he's factually he's not making mistakes every other game. You know, it happens maybe sort of one in in ten games, and at the end of the day, apart from maybe the top sort of three goalkeepers in the world, it happens. And you know, I I don't I don't blame him whatsoever. in, in, in that respect, and when you talk about the Premier League experience, you know, he was playing for some really poor teams towards the bottom end of the table who were conceding a lot of goals, you know, and and goalkeepers are never going to have that same level of confidence when they're in a team conceding a lot of goals. You know, it's only his, what, second or third full season with us now and, again, last year, I mean, you know, we said at the start he's in the PFA team of the year and this season I don't see him dropping off if anything he's going to improve so, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see the the arguments to drop him. In my opinion,
0: yeah, I love to carry on doing this, but I think we're going to be here all day, otherwise. If
2: it, <laughs> if be All night.
0: Saints, it's just going to go on forever and ever. And of course, we talk about goalkeepers, and Allison uh, is one we just mentioned. Her, of course, he made what well, I genuinely think think will be the save of the season. Come May, that save, you mean, one of the saves of the season. One of the saves in the last few years, I reckon, in Premier League history. What a save it was against Newcastle. Uh, Of course, that game stole the headlines for Darwin Nunes. Of course, we were 1-0 down. And 10, a 10 men. Uh, Van Dijk's first red card, uh, I believe, since 2016. Uh, Anthony Gordon got the goal. And then um, second half, we basically snatched a victory from the jaws of defeat with two late goals from Darwin Nunes. Um, Now, Again, I don't know whether you boys watch this. Like Naeem with his festival, I struggled to get any signals. Relying on my dad, tech mid-scores, and my friend Greg. Um, but from what I saw in the highlights, I still don't know how to stay where you got that win because Newcastle, from watching the match day highlights, it was all Newcastle. And then, initially, the, the first goal came from a mistake and the second one was a great pass on Salah. But... Um, Pepe is Darwin Nunes, um, you know, he I, I did take off about this week. I think people are going a bit too crazy about him. People saying that he's turned the corner and all. it is just one game. And let's be frank, he's not exactly... I don't think he's, he didn't start the other two games we played against Chelsea and... Um, which I forgot who he played last time out. But it's... Um, you know, he's not really had much of a luck under the club this season. So I think people maybe are going a bit too reactive on just one game, but you can't deny... How good the finishes were really from Darwin you know? So um your boy saw some Darwines, because you know? he's someone that has drawn mixed opinion. Um I still think he's a Uruguay Timo Vera, but he um <laughs> he he's got the ceiling, his ceiling is great. I mean, um whilst Jota has more better finisher at times, Darwin uses, his his ceiling's way higher. And you can see when he has these chances and he takes them away, you can see that he's got all the potential in the world. He can cause so much chaos, but there only, only comes a point where you, you can keep relying on the runs he makes, but he's got a mind for the performances on Sunday and the two goals he got, which got us a, a great win away from home.
2: Yeah, I think he's probably got more goals than Timo Werner now, hasn't he? I mean,
0: probably, yeah. Season. I mean, he's got the same amount of goals in the first X amount of games as Suarez, apparently. So, that's, um,
2: so yeah. I, think, I think that's a disservice to him, if you call him in the Uruguayan Timo Werner. <laughs> but no, um that's what you want from your subs, man. Come on. be match winners. Um, I, it, obviously, when he was at Benfica, he scored all those goals. You know, he, he came in last season. Says so usually with players like that, you've got to give him a season to adapt to, and he still managed to get a good goal return anyway, regardless. But, um, I, I think this season you'll, you'll probably hit more higher heights. But, um, yeah, obviously, being down to 10 men away to St. James's Park ain't easy at all because, you know, we've struggled there in the past. But, yeah, to, to get get out there with a win, being down to ten men with like probably your best defender, be uh, getting sent off is is a, is a credit to your team, you know. Didn't give up. Uh, but like you said, Alisson, that that wonderful save man, because that was that was it. Off that when I saw when I watched the highlights back, like, I was like, yeah, that's destined to go. I was like, how the hell's he done that? But you know, you have to rely on your your goalkeepers to um, you know, keep you in the game, and that's that's what that's what you've done. But yeah, good three points for you and. Yeah, like this the season's been has been crazy so far, man. It's just obviously City they've they've obviously won all their games, but to the rest of the teams on that like seven points. So yeah, if it stays like this, man, yeah, it could be it could be a good season. Like obviously Man City they are the favourites, but you know they could they could drop points um sooner or later, and yeah, this it it could be maybe a two three horse race depending depending on the form of of, of the other teams because you know look at West Ham, no one thought. No one would have thought they would have been in this position, but they've they've recruited well themselves um, from the Declan Rice money and the money that they won winning the Europa League, and yeah, I think they've I think they've got a good good shot to get into those top seven positions. But yeah, Newcastle they're a bit of a funny one at the moment. Um, you know they've they brought a few new players in and that, but I th- I think this season they probably will they won't I don't think they'll get top four because obviously they got they got Champions League. Um, and in Champions League, you've got to pretty much play your strongest team. So, with that in mind, they might they might start picking up a few injuries here and there. And when you look on their bench, it not really the strongest. Like they do have players that can come in and do a shift, but yeah, going forward in the long run, uh, they might just probably drop down to Europa League, maybe. Or, but yes, it's obviously it's too too early at the moment. But that's 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 the way I feel with it. Really, I think and they'll probably struggle with uh, European football because it was the first time in what nearly got twenty odd years. So. And all the other times have been like battling relegation, so this is kind of kind of new to them at the moment because obviously they, they were good back in the nineties and early noughties. But yeah, just, um, yeah this just sucks that see you got international break coming up because when it comes to that, I can't lie, I don't watch any of the international football qualifiers because they're kind of pointless really until the tournament starts really because the groups are pretty much easy for most teams and. Yeah, the quality of football show is it's not the greatest. So I kinda of just tend to have a little football break and then yeah, there's wait for it wait for it to resume.
0: But yeah. I'm the exact same as you. I mean, Wales have it. I sometimes watch Wales because Wales do have a hardened England. I mean, for England, for you guys, it literally is like a routine procedure making the qu fo- made made tournaments. for us, I sometimes watch it, but sometimes even then I don't really tend to watch it because it doesn't really excite me as much because it's probably down to, yeah, not having a, really a horse in the race from all my childhood in any international tournament. So um, I think, you know, if Wales were in every tournament, maybe I'd think differently. But um, in terms of Newcastle, yeah, it's... I think on one side, you've got to look at it. They have played City and Liverpool in their first three games, and they looked amazing against Aston Villa. Uh, but at the same time, it is a worry uh, because they have... They were they were poor, I thought, against City. I remember covering that game for Vavor and they I thought they were poor, if I'm honest. Um just really lacked that cutting edge. Um, especially they had a few chances here and there. But I thought from watching the highlights, I think they were unlucky not to get at least a point and should have got really all three points against um Liverpool. But that's you know, these big games you gotta kill these games off and they just didn't do that. So I think that seems to be their biggest issue, even though they got Isaac and Wilson, they seem to be lacking that cutting edge with the exception of that first game against Villa. Um, but for you, Ryan, the other talking point was about in this game was about the Officiating and refereeing now, you know people have had mixed opinions on a red card that Van Dyke received. Uh, but it seems to be consensus that not only should Trent have been received second yellow um for that um thing that for the one that wasn't given, but also the consensus is that it shouldn't be in yellow card in the first place. Uh what was your take, Ryan, on the officiating in that in that Newcastle Liverpool game?
1: I mean just, just just quickly veering away from that I'm quite surprised by something i have just seen because um Brighton are apparently signing ansu Fati on loan from Barcelona really? uh, yeah, I've literally just seen it on on Fabrizio Romano's Twitter, so that's a bit that's a bit of a surprise um but yeah, great sign for for, for Brighton. um but yeah, just on those uh, topics there i mean the, the the i i cannot understand for the life of me how anyone could think that the van dijk one was not a red card at the end of the day i i felt you know you can't really get much more of a goal scoring opportunity than being one on one with the goalkeeper you know had he not made the tackle and at the end of the day he's just it's gone, gone straight through him you, you know he, whether, whether you whether you try to go for the ball or not at the end of the day, ninety nine percent of players that go in for tackles are going for the ball. You know, if they don't get it, it's a foul. So, i i don't I don't understand the, the disagreements on that one. And then for Trent, the first booking was was incredibly harsh, and probably shouldn't have been a yellow card. But the fact is, he was given a yellow card. And the second one is a blatant yellow card. It is at, at any stage of the game. You know, this, this, this whole nonsense of, you know, it's early in the game, so it shouldn't be a book. And no, it doesn't matter what time it, sh- it is in the game. If it's a yellow card offence, it's a yellow card. And that's where the inconsistencies come from, these referees. And that's why we've got some of the worst officials, not just in Europe, but in world football. And it's, yep. it's a complete joke. It's not just for one team or another team. Like, so many teams... Um, you know had had shocking decisions go against them look how many times the um you know the officials had to send out apologies you know we've already seen one this season you know three games in um for wolves obviously against United and we we're, st- we're, we're, we're still seeing it now and no one really knows where they stand and you know after after obviously Mike Dean's comments the other day um when he spoke to Simon Jordan, I think it was, I mean, that just sums up how unprofessional these referees are, unfortunately. But yeah, it's uh, one of them ones, really. And then um, what was your other question after the two?
2: I've literally,
0: I literally uh, forgotten, Me, I've got to even ask now. <laughs>
1: I think um,
0: um, what was it? It might have been. It might have been just officiating, if I'm honest. The trend and the trend situation with the uh, and the Van Dykes. I think now it's a G, it mate. I think I think we covered it.
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> on, on Darwin Nunes. I mean we we both know there's only there's only one man that's um, allowed to talk about Darwin Nunes, and that is our our friend on TikTok.
0: Um, Pete. Yeah, big big at Pete
1: Um But yeah, I mean, I, I I I like him as a striker. I think I think he will come good eventually for Liverpool. But you know, and, and, and the two goals he scored were, were really well taken, although they were from mistakes from Newcastle's end. You know, last season probably would have scored them. So I think he will will improve, but it's going to have to be because I watched the game and. Liverpool defensively were were all over the place. Um, Van Dijk, I think, absolutely fell off the cliff. He doesn't look anywhere near the player he was eighteen months, you know, plus ago, and that's quite, I think, concerning for Liverpool if he doesn't rediscover that form. Because I think he may even get more than a free match ban because of mm. what he said to the to the officials or how he said it. So obviously that's a that's a worry when obviously your squad depth is already very very thin especially in midfield and they need they need a midfielder to come in and why why they're not trying to get sofian amrabat from fiorentina i will never know i mean man united's yeah. offer to them was the worst it's it's the worst transfer offer i've ever seen a club make <laughs> such an elite player to offer Fiorentina two million euros, yeah, that's that—that that, that is almost criminal. And Fiorentina should just not answer any more of their calls or emails after that yeah. because
2: block and delete.
1: <laughs> such a disgrace. I mean, it's so difficult—not just for the player, but to, to Fiorentina as a club. But when, when, when twenty million euros would probably get that deal done. And he he walked into Liverpool's and Man United's team. In my opinion, it's 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 an it's an absolute bargain when they both need a midfielder to come in, especially one like him. And it it baffles me that United are in that position because they overpaid for Mason Mount, they overpaid for Hoyland, and now they're in a position where they can't shift any of their deadwood, you know. And, and now they can't do anything. And and Liverpool I think they're going to bring in. Gravin Birch. I've seen yeah, that.
0: That's what they're saying. I mean, I've never and everybody really heard of the bloke All I've heard of Niches, he's transfer rumors. So I don't know what he's like. And they're saying thirty mil, which is, you know, mm. it's not bad these days for twenty-one year old. Um but I do think that at the same time, if he was that good, why buying get rid of him at that young? Um that's just, my only concern is that if he was that good, they'd want to keep him. They're that big of a club. They they can keep players like that. So I I that's my only concern is that why they get rid of him at such a young age?
1: I do I see what you mean there. I always draw comparisons from that to to Odegaard and the fact that Real Madrid didn't want him and now he's one of the best midfielders in, in, in the Premier League. So I think things can change, obviously, Bayern bought him from Ajax and they haven't really given him many opportunities. So I don't think he's necessarily what Liverpool need right now because they need pr- a proven midfielder to come in, not someone who's maybe a bit low on confidence and hasn't had much game time, you know, so that's why I thought Amrabat was perfect for them at the minute, but, you know, he may come in and do a very good job, but they certainly need at least another midfielder.
0: For mine, I thought Lavia was probably the perfect players come in, and obviously he's just decided to jump ship and join Chelsea. Um, My final point on Darwin Unis is that I liked his goals, but I think if you there that, those goals, he didn't have to think about it. Literally, it was given to him straight on the plate, it, all you to do is just finish it. You yep, haven't, t- haven't got to worry about taking a touch. i haven't got to worry about... All you need to do is just go in there, to shoot, and you prove that. Give them the chance not to overthink. Throw on goal, and you can do that. So I think, yeah, I think needs to work on everything else. But I think that's um certainly a um positive step towards our direction. Um, Finally, before we do go, just some games weekend. The full slate is Friday night. um, Luton take on West Ham, their first game at home, as you mentioned earlier. Um, Saturday, half tough kick-off is Sheffield United against Everton. Uh, three o'clock. It's Brentford against Bournemouth, Burnley, Spurs, Chelsea against Forest, and Man City against Fulham. With Brighton Newcastle, the five thirty game. Sunday, for some reason, I'm picking Palace Wolves over Liverpool Villa as the TV game, and then half four is Arsenal Manu. Um, so out of those, um, it's all taking turns to name one game, except from Arsenal Manu that we're looking forward to watching the most. Uh, Ryan, you first.
1: Ugh, God, that's that was the only one I was going to choose. Um. Uh, I mean Brighton and Newcastle will be a very intriguing game but I'm actually going to say Burnley against Tottenham because it's quite funny to see Tottenham knocked out of the Carabao Cup last night so it'll be interesting to see how they do
0: away at Burnley And you know what's your pick of the bench?
2: Oh, I'm going to say half five on the Saturday, Brighton and Newcastle I think that could be um, a little tasty little game there Obviously, Brighton lost to West Ham at home, 3-1. First time that they've obviously lost to West Ham since they've been up. Uh, They obviously, yeah, so both teams are going to want to bounce back. So, yeah, I'd probably edge towards a Brighton win on that one. But that's one I'm, other than obviously arsenal United, that's uh, one of the games I would say to probably look out for um, in terms of the quality of the teams and the players that they've got. Well, my game I'm going to focus on this week is Stamford
0: Bridge, three o'clock. Chelsea against Forest, and really because of Forest. Now they've took Arsenal to the down to the wire. They, they took them to the final minute. They lost only two goals to one, and they were two nil up within the first four minutes against Man U. So I'm intrigued how they'll do against Chelsea. They seem to be doing all right against the big boys. Of course, last year they beat Liverpool, they beat Arsenal. Um, so yeah, I think they're a team that seems to be good, good against the big teams. So I think Chelsea, whilst if the Guiseppi they they beat Luton and they drew Liverpool, but the West Ham result has to worry them, and I think I say that it hasn't quite worked out yet. So I'm intrigued to see how that all goes down. And I think that the biggest shock I think potentially is going to be Spurs Burnley, but I think I wouldn't be shocked if Forest beat Chelsea or at least get a draw at Stamford Bridge. I think that I, I can't see it being a runaway game. I can see Forest give them some scare. Uh, whether that's you know, a goal, whether that's you know, being 2 nil down and getting a goal back to make it tight like the Arsenal game, I think Follies could do something here, so I'm looking forward to that game as well, um, but that's where we'll end this podcast for today, so um, thank you to everyone who's listened to this podcast today, I've been Andy, this has been Ryan and Naeem, and we'll see you guys next time.